0: Welcome to Self-Care Hacks, the short podcast for overwhelmed and stressed out women who want to learn how to take better care of themselves. I'm your host, Anita Ojeda. I used to suffer from overwhelm and stress too, but I've learned how to take care of myself and take care of others. You can too. Our guest today is Mary Muth, and she has written multiple books and i read a couple of them. And the one that is being published in September is one that I think everyone who has kids who are nearing adulthood or have hit adulthood will be really interested in. But first, Mary, have it if you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I am an author of over 40 books. I've got
1: three adult kids. I'm happily married and I live in the North Texas area. My husband and I and our kids were church planters in France in the mid 2000s. And um, we're actually from Seattle, but we are exiled in sweaty Texas right now. And so we're making our way. But um, yeah, we've launched all three kids and they all pay their bills, which I find is a huge win.
0: Oh, that is—that's amazing. That's what every parent wants, right? For the yeah, kids to pay out bills, of the basement, and pay their yep. bills. <laughs> yep. Parenting is hard, no matter which way you slice it or dice it. And I used to think that the toddler years were the most difficult because <laughs> our girls are 17 months apart, and mm. there was just you know a lot going on. Um, we were poor, and you know how that is. Mm-hmm. I can imagine living in France with little kids would have been really difficult. I had this idea in my mind that if I did all the right things, and if I parented right, then when my kids turned 18, they would launch and magically turn out the way I expected.
1: Oh, I think we all have had that wonderful illusion of hope. <laughs> <laughs> that pipe dream.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and especially today, I think parents spend a lot of time being thoughtful parents and reading books. I know I read tons of books. I Mm -hmm. went to classes at church. I did all kinds of things to make sure that our kids would turn out the way we expected them to turn out. So what happens when your kids don't turn out the way you expect them to turn out? Exactly. And I think that's
1: the reason I wrote this book called Love, Pray, Listen, How to Parent Your Wayward Adult Kids with Joy, because I think what we were sold as parents, particularly parents right now who are in the midst of launching their kids or they have launched them already, We were sold this kind of health and wealth gospel of parenting, that if you do A, then God is obligated to do B. And so then if he doesn't do B, you know, if our people walk away from the Lord or they just have some different decisions that we would have not wanted them to make, then we think, wait a minute. First of all, we can say something's wrong with the Lord and (laughs) work through all that. But then we have to come to that place of realizing that this formulaic way of pulling the correct lever is not real life. We have raised three successful sinners and uh... <laughs> <clears throat> I love that. I too am a successful sinner, yes. and, and so I've had to learn to let go of that expectation and mourn it a little bit because I did. You know, I read those verses about if you train a child in the way he should go, when he's old, he's not going to depart from it. Um, and all the parenting books seem to say, well, if you discipline this way or you did this particular parenting method, then you're kind of guaranteed, like it's a little machine. You stick them in the machine and they come out little clones of like happiness. Like those
0: penny machines, the flat penny. <laughs> yeah. (laughs) You see at the national park, you put your penny in and pay your money. And 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 that's all there is to it, (laughs) but that's not all there is to it. There's so
1: much going on in the world. And, you know, we need to learn as parents, of course, the act of letting go, but also letting God hold our expectations and, The reason I wrote the book was just that I believe that this next part of my life is a very fruitful time. And I kept running into parents who were so debilitated by their adult children's choices that they lost all joy. And I feel like that's a second win for the enemy. If he can take Mm -hmm. down your kids, that's one win. And then if he can steal your joy, that's another win. Um, And I'm just not going to let him have that second win. Now, don't get me wrong. I've cried tears. I've worked through things. Um, it has not been easy. And my kids are in various stages. Like I would say they're all great kids and doing awesome things, but there's still things that they do that are different than what I expected them to do. And there's some mourning that's involved in
0: that as well. I can definitely relate to that. In fact, I read your book at the perfect time. I'd been in counseling for about five or six months and I was leaving for the summer. So I told my counselor, well, you know, I feel a lot better now. I had gone to her specifically over that feeling of depression and mourning Mm -hmm. and not knowing what to do because I bought into that promise that if you do these things, then when your child or children are old, they won't depart from it. Mm -hmm. And one thing she helped me realize is the second part of that promise doesn't say when. (laughs) It says old. (laughs) Well, and the children may depart for a long time, but they'll come Mm -hmm. back because they have that memory, that knowledge. And so hopefully they will come back so it was perfect. I'm like underlining things like I need to send a copy of this to my counselor (laughs) Um, in case she gets other people like me. Yes. (laughs) But when we get to that empty nest and start remembering or learning for the first time how to take care of ourselves, because I think as young mothers, we Mm -hmm. throw self-care out the window because Mm -hmm. we're so overwhelmed. Even if we have a spouse that's very helpful and, and carries their fair share of the parenting and and house burden—that's hard, and we kind of forget how to take care of ourselves when our children launch or leave the nest or fledge, or whatever we want to call it. Then we have all this time, and we start thinking, "Okay, now it's time to start taking care of myself." And we start realizing that things didn't turn out the way we thought they would. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, going hearing about Disneyland all your life and then getting to Disneyland and being underwhelmed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which can very much happen. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) So how do we keep from spiraling into negativity when that realization hits?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say first that it is normal to lament and mourn. And I think we've lost the ability or the understanding of how important grief is and walking through it. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of times when you have parental depression about these kinds of things, it's that you haven't, you either haven't given yourself permission to mourn and you just say, I should be fine, I should be fine, and you just don't mourn it. Or you succumb to that mourning and you don't get out of it. And so there's kind of two things that can happen. I would first say it's great to mourn. You need to mourn. You need to walk through it. You need to lament what has happened and process that with really good, safe people and with the Lord. Um, But there will come a time and you'll you may sense it from the Lord kind of pulling you away from it because you could wallow in it forever. But if you have a wayward child, that wayward child is probably not affected by your sadness necessarily. So you're not doing them any good by being crabby about it. And you're certainly not doing yourself any good by being crabby about it. So it behooves you to jump back into that self-care and say, what is it that I need to find joy today? And like you said, when we had little tiny kids, I just, I never did that. And so it's a practiced thing that we have to learn how to do. And and to find joy in other things, and to have that, and to tell the Lord, I I want to trust you for my kids. I don't right now. I feel like I'm being let down, mm-hmm. but uh, I want to want to. So would you help me?
0: Yeah, I like that. It's hard to trust God's process when the process we've been promised doesn't work. We kind of tie it up with what we expect God to provide for us, and so it's hard to say, you know what? I'm not in control and I never was, even though I thought I was <laughs> when they were little, um, mm-hmm. and and he has a plan, and my part is to show up for his plan and stop trying to determine what his plan should be.
1: Yeah, and that gets back to what you just said, that that frustrating word called control, which is an illusion, but we believe it for a really long time, but when, when our kids launch we understand it's an illusion right. and we don't have that control. And I, I have met parents throughout my life who just couldn't let go of control and they made everything miserable um, because they were, they were continually sad for years and years and years that their kids didn't live in a compound near them. <laughs> you know, and all the kids were together and all that kind of stuff. Right. And it's just depressing, but um, you know what? I have to believe that God calls us we're not parents first, we're disciples first. And so therefore we have to look at this as a discipleship issue. Where are we in the discipleship journey? And there's so much more time and so much more potential to really press into the Lord in the second half of life to have it spoiled by our sadness.
0: I like that idea. of It's a discipleship and we have to do what we're supposed to do as disciples, and not ruminate on our mistakes. Because yeah, you know, I have we have great kids, and they pay their bills. Mm-hmm. One of them yeah. managed to finish a private college without any debt. Woo. Um, I know it's so <laughs> really good. Yeah. <laughs> they have great paying jobs, and one of them has started a family. And you know, I'm proud of them. I'm very proud of them and, and who they've become. But Um, I did have to go through that period of mourning and Mm -hmm. it did take someone safe uh, to talk to. And I like the idea that you have in the book about creating a haven relationship for our adult kids. Could you talk a little bit more about a haven relationship?
1: Yeah. So a home that's a haven is a place that small kids and adult kids are wildly enthusiastic about coming home to. In fact, my husband, he travels a lot and he came home and he said, I just love being home. It's so peaceful here. And that is what I'm finding with my adult kids is we've had conflicts. Of course, we've had conflicts. But um, just recently, one of my kids called and talked about money issues and they were stressed about them. And they had seen um, their mom and dad work through those issues a lot because mm-hmm. like you, we were poor for a really long time. Poor in the United States standards, not poor right. in the world <laughs> standards. Um, <Exactly>. and. <laughs> But uh, he would not have made that call had we not been a non-judgy, you know, if we had been a non-haven home. Mm -hmm. And so it's important that you, a lot of times it's about keeping a straight face and not Mm -hmm. reacting to whatever crazy thing they told you. Um, Right. But to continually reaffirm your love for them. And that's the structure of Love, Pray, Listen, is I'm taking parents through 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the first part of that, where it's talking about what love is and what love is not. Mm-hmm. And so um, we can always win if we err on the side of love and when we're pro our kids and when we're you know standing up for them and we're cheerleading for them. And when we're in that space, they're more apt to call us when they're in distress
0: and then we can remain part of their lives, which
1: right? Is, and and which is just the you goal. Know, yes, that's the goal. But I do want to speak to parents who have had parental estrangement because there are parents out there whose kids have have ghosted them, yeah. and that's its own grief as well. And I just want to give space to that and acknowledge that there are some parents really suffering right now whose kids have really walked away from them. And then at that point, you really understand your lack of control and you really can only just pray. (laughs) Uh, You can love from a distance. Mm -hmm. um, And if they ever call, you can listen. But really at that point, all you have in your arsenal is to just pray that the Lord would leave the 99 and chase the one.
0: My worst case scenario mind always goes to if one of my kids ghosted me, especially if it was a daughter. Mm -hmm. What would I do? How would I know whether that was her ghosting me because she needs space because I've been a cranky person and haven't and tried to you know remain in control, or is her significant other making her ghost me because it's an abusive relationship? Mm -hmm. And so that would be my huge worry. Um, How can you tell which one it is or might be, and what do you do? Because you don't want to keep you know showing up on the doorstep when they've clearly said they don't want any communication with you, but how do you know it's them talking and not an abusive or controlling spouse?
1: I think that's where we get to community and why we need community so much. Because in those kind of situations, I would go to my community and say, am I crazy? Is there something I've done? um and i have good enough friends who will tell me the truth who will say yeah you're a little heavy handed there or mm-hmm. uh, maybe they just need some space and it's okay um so I think all of us as parents, I think all of us have had that vision in our lives of our kids sitting on um, a couch in a counselor's office and they are saying things like, everything would be fine except for my crazy mother. You know, I think we always have that fear. So I, I dignify that fear, but I think most of the time, if you're a dedicated, um, connected parent, that sometimes there are those times when they need space because they're growing up and they do need to differentiate from us. And that has to happen in every parental child relationship um but uh unless they tell you you just can't assume what it means and i don't think it's you know out of bounds uh to have a safe conversation and say is there something that i can do to change Mm -hmm. is there a way that i am bothering you or hurting you because we have and you can just be really honest and say you know we have a different relationship now we used to be parent child now we're more mentor friend or friend friend and I've never done this before, so I'm sure yeah. I'm doing things wrong and I'm probably bothering you and I don't want to, but this is new for me too. Um, and I think that's part of the, the thing that we learn when we have adult kids is now we're kind of on a level playing field. There's no like mm-hmm. hierarchy of, of, oh, well, I'm a parent, so I'm closer to God than they are, or, you know, that it's, it's not now your peers and right. there's going to be a different way of relating that is going to be bumpy
0: yeah, that's true because you're going from one role to another. I'm a teacher, and the idea of working at the same school that I went to school at mm. and calling my new my colleagues by their first names is just horrifying. <laughs> like you know, how can I call Mr. Smith Bob? because, <laughs> For four years, he was Mr. Smith. Right, right. <laughs> and so you have to like renegotiate that. And the way the other person reacts to the first time you try calling them Bob or the first time you try calling them Mr. Smith kind of says a lot in how that relationship is going to work. If, they, if they're like, oh, no, call me Bob. We work together now. Then that's one direction the relationship will take. And if they're like, I will always hey, be Mr. Smith. <laughs> that's right. Don't call me Bob. <laughs> then. Yeah, our children and young adults in general say shocking things
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, to get our reactions. They're testing the waters. And so I love what you say about you can never go wrong with love and reflecting love, even if you think they're crazy. One habit I had to break was I was really good at telling my kids they should do things. You should do this. You should do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to kind of cut should out of my vocabulary and say, you know, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? Or would you like my advice? Or do you want me to just listen?
1: Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Those phrases have all come in handy in my relationship with our daughters. How do you think we can use our time to grow in our relationship with God so we can absorb his kindness and improve our relationships with ourselves and improve our relationship with ourselves? So that we can improve our relationships with our adult children
1: that's a beautiful question and i i wish i had a handle on it in terms of my own practice it's hard on i it's hard for me to do that I'm really unkind to myself. And it is one of the things I've had to learn over the years and years and years of training from the Lord is to take those thoughts captive and to be kind to myself. And you'll see it. I, I read through the book again and I was like, man, I am hard on myself. This <laughs> <just> like, shoot, <laughs> it's still coming out. And so it is, for me, it's about understanding scripture, knowing the the word of God well, and knowing you know, treating myself as I would treat my close friends mm-hmm. and giving myself the grace that I would want to receive from them. And then when I do that, when I live in light of that, then I'm much more graceful and grace-filled and more kind toward my kids.
0: Learning to have grace for ourselves. You know, we, we love to say, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. It's golden rule that we forget that as yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and it's so hard to, Love ourselves sometimes, especially if we know we've messed up, mm-hmm. um, which is where confessing to our adult children comes in handy. <laughs> Saying, you know, I, I parented with the light I had, mm-hmm. but I was wrong in certain areas. And I'm sorry. I hope, you know, do you need me to pay your your counseling bill? <laughs> <laughs> I've been saving up. <laughs> <sighs> oh. What ways have you discovered to get off the nostalgia train that so easily stops our growth and becomes an idol?
1: You know, I, I've always been kind of the parent who loves the next stage. So Mm -hmm. I haven't had that problem as much as others have, but I think what helps is realizing we, we always will have those memories. Those memories are going to stay with us forever. And, but we might shortchange making new ones if we don't live in the moment and, for instance, our kids, um, all of them went with us to Maine this summer on a vacation, and it was delightful. It looks different than old vacations have mm-hmm. looked, and it's I know it's um, something that's not going to probably continue. So I took it, you know, I was so grateful for it. But if I had been stuck in nostalgia about, well, we used to do this and we mm-hmm. didn't do that this time, um, I wouldn't I would miss it. And so I think yeah. it's, more of finding that joy in the moment in order to make new memories so that you can have better nostalgia later.
0: (laughs) Exactly. You can continue to make good memories.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So one of the difficult things is holidays, family holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas birthdays, whatever we have this way that we did it. And so when our kids are adults, we have to say, how would you like to do it? Or how do you want to do it at your house? Because it's going to be different than what it was at my house. So I found that that helps is to ask for input. Yes. So how is humble listening to our adult children, a form of self care?
1: You know, because when you're humbly listening, you're not defensive and trying to justify yourself. That's just an easier way to deal with any sort of conflict that comes. I think pride comes before a lot of parenting falls. (laughs) And we, we aren't God's gift to the world in terms of, you know, we don't know everything and um, he knows everything, but we don't know everything. And so being able to listen and doing some of the things that you just said about asking for forgiveness. And, you know, I was listening to a podcast the other day about parenting and I texted my husband. I was like, I'm going to have to apologize for so many different things. And he's (laughs) like, calm down, calm down. Like, yeah, but I shouldn't have done that. And I did this. And I said, that and he's like, you'll have the opportunity. It's fine, but, um, but I it strengthens my relationship with my kids that I grew up in a home where my parents were never wrong, even though they were totally wrong, right. um, because they're humans. Um, but when you grow up in that kind of situation, you then internalize all of that pain, and you think you're the worst, which is why I right. struggle today with self condemnation. Because the adults were always right and the kids were always wrong. And I do not want to have that kind of relationship with my kids because I'm not always right. And I learn a lot of great things from them that I am exactly. actually really grateful for.
0: Yeah, I've learned so much from my, my oldest daughter, especially as she became a parent herself mm. and you know chose a completely different style of parenting than what mm. we had. And I totally respect her for the choices she's made and the way our grandson is navigating life and you know it's it's Mm -hmm. beautiful to see um but it is hard to keep my mouth shut at times (laughs) you know but it's better to keep my mouth shut because once again I'm not in control and I'm not God and having a little humility humble humble observance is good too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. are there groups for parents who have adult children that They feel like their kids are wayward or they don't understand their kids' choices. Um, Do you have any suggestions for listeners who are just really struggling and don't know what to do?
1: Yeah. First I would say, find a support group of like-minded parents who you can process that with, because if you just try to do it on your own or internally process it, you're going to go a bit crazy. So, um, talking to someone else is really helpful. And like we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, um, learning how to mourn it and name it and say, this is hard and it's not what I wanted and it's not what I expected. Um, but then transfer, Trying to ask the Lord to transform you from a controller to a surrenderer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of Beautiful. a weird word, but um is is probably one of the best spiritual practices you can do just in your Christian life anyway, but it's really, really important um in you, you know, in your relationship yeah. with your adult kids. And then I would say if you have a chance or if you have the funds, pick up a copy of Love Pray Listen because there Definitely. is a lot in there. That will walk you through. I I wrote the book because I couldn't find anything out there about like it. So exactly. this yeah. is for parents who are struggling with their adult kids. This is exactly why I wrote the book.
0: Yeah, and maybe we need to start a M- Moac group, mothers of adult children. <laughs> they yes. got mops for the little ones. We need That's a Moac right. for us. <laughs> Moac, <laughs> and we can meet and get together and pray for each other's kids and do our grieving and mourning while our kids are off being adults. Uh. Yes, exactly. Okay. Well, Mary, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate your time and I can't wait for your book to launch. Well, you've got 40 books and three kids. This is going to be what, your 45th child? (laughs) Yeah, something (laughs) like that. Yep. (laughs) So many children. (laughs) So many. (laughs) So anyhow, I'm, I'm very excited and, Thank you so much for writing the book. It just it hit a spot that an itch and a hurt and an ache that I had. And I'm sure that it will do the same for, for those who listen to the podcast.
1: Well, thanks so much. And that really blesses me because that's the intention of the book. So I'm really glad that it's hitting its target. It makes me happy.
0: So don't forget the hacks from today's podcast interview with Mary DeMuth, author of Love, Pray, Listen. Hack number one, parenting can't be reduced to a formula, and God doesn't promise expected results. Hack number two, it's healthy to take time to mourn when we realize reality is different from our expectations or when our children fledge. Hack number three, we need to learn to let our expectations go and ask God to handle our big feelings for us. Hack number four, don't let the enemy win by letting him steal our joy. Hack number five, you won't be any good to your children if you let sadness and nostalgia rule your life. Hack number six, remember you were never in control. Hack number seven, learn to create a haven relationship for your family. Hack number eight, learn to listen with humility. Hack number nine, seek help from a safe community. Hack number ten, Have grace for yourself and your mistakes. Hack number 11, become students of your children. Come back next week when I share with you six unforgettable lessons I learned from sea otters. Take care of yourselves, my friends. You are worth it. You can find me at selfcarehacks.net or check out the show notes for links to my social media accounts. If you enjoyed this podcast, take the time to tell a friend. Together we can build each other up and teach each other how to take better care of ourselves. I'll see you here next Tuesday with more self-care hacks to help you overcome the overwhelm.